What's up, Freedom Church family? We are so glad that you've decided to join us today. Here at Freedom Church, we believe that God's word is crucial to experiencing his true freedom. We pray that you will find hope and that God will speak to you wherever you are through today's message. Judges 19 verses 27 says this, when her master got up in the morning and opened the door of the house and stepped out to continue on his way, there laid his concubine fallen in the doorway of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, get up and let's go. But there was no answer. Then the man put her on his donkey and set out for home. When he reached home, he took a knife and cut up his concubine limb by limb into 12 parts and sent them all to the areas of Israel. Everyone who saw it was saying to one another, such a thing has never been seen or done not since the day that the Israelites came out of Egypt. Just imagine we must do something, so speak up. I, I, I didn't give uh, Pastor Brett this verse real quick, but verse one, just the first sentence says, in those days, Israel had no king. I, I wanna preach to you today under the theme, bits and pieces. Bits and pieces. Thank you so much, worship team. Y'all awesome. Bits and pieces. Bits and pieces. I, I want to uh, quickly uh, get your attention on here and um, speak to you on what God has given me and be able to share it with so so much clarity that you understand every single thing that God is going to do and is going to say here tonight. I, I do believe that God is speaking very, very clear through our weeks and, and he's speaking to us through our, our looking and inquiring of him. He's speaking through our praying time. He's, he's speaking through us, through brothers and our sisters. He's speaking through us through prophets and his word. He's speaking through us, through, through nature itself. And I, I just wanted to make sure that you understand that God is getting ready to tell you something important that's going to change your life. I don't know about you, but for me, I honestly do not take up the story of a person that comes up to me immediately and tells me this is my story and tells me their story. I don't immediately take it for what it's worth. This is not something that you should feel bad about because if you're telling me the story, it's okay. I don't want you to feel any type of way. I just want and uh, I want you to know that I'm the type of person that I'm very observant. And so I will observe, okay? I will observe very, very carefully that if you, what you told me and how you told me is exactly what you're going to be doing, okay? I, I, I'm paying very close attention to people's words and their actions. They're what I call follow through. Because I've learned that People like to give you bits and pieces 
of their story. This is the truth. This is the reality of human nature. We will not tell you every single thing in our story. We're going to give you bits and pieces so that way you can make up your mind that I am the victim, that I need to be the one that needs to be consented, and I am the one that needs to be felt bad for. So I'm going to give you my bit and my piece so you can feel bad for me, and I can then receive the love that I'm looking for, okay? This is everybody, everybody does this. Everybody shares their bits and pieces. Imagine you being part of the Bible and your full entire story is there. Notice that David's story is there. David's story is there. It's not only that he is a king and defeated Goliath. It's not only that he defeated Saul and, and the armies. It's not only that he became king and he was a man after own, uh, God's own heart. It's also he was walking one time and he saw a young lady taking a bath and he got himself in a lot of trouble. If it's me, I'm wanting that part erased because that's a bit and the piece that I don't want in the Bible. That's just the reality of it. I want you to go back to knowing that I'm David, the one that wrote the Psalms. I'm David, the one that slayed giants. I'm David, the one that's anointed. I'm David, the one that God prepared a table for his enemies. Do not talk about my mistakes in the Bible and expose me like that. But we are experts in erasing the bits and pieces that matter the most. Okay, follow me on this. Now, the reason why I say this is because the story that we just read, if you go through it, I, I don't know if you've read Judges 19 ever in your life. Probably not. This is, I'm just going to be real. Because Judges 19 is a chapter in the Bible where you look at God and go, why in the world is this chapter there? Why? It has no meaning. Everything is horrid. Everybody gets killed. People get, get violated. What's the point of Judges 19? And I'll tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my bits and pieces of the story. The bits and pieces of Judges 19 is that a Levite man grabs a woman. The woman that he has runs away. He goes and, and catches after her. He rescues her. And then all of a sudden, after he rescues her, he leaves that place. And after he leaves that place, the place that he finds himself, which is a territory that's well known to him, people that love him actually take the woman that he loves and rape her and kill her. And then all of a sudden, he cuts her up in a lot of pieces, sends her to all the tribes of Israel, and all the tribes of Israel want to fight with the tribe of Benjamin. The end. The end. Bits and peace. Okay? That's the story of Judges 19. This is what I'm trying to tell you. It starts off by saying, when there was no king in Israel, and then all of a sudden, a horrid story happens. I'm talking about if they were to make a movie off of this chapter right here, it would be, uh, I, I wouldn't watch it. It would be that crazy. 
theologians and historians have all gathered together and talked about this chapter and have said this is probably the scariest, most dirtiest, most, most annoying chapter in the Bible. Judges 19. Judges 19. Because there is no hero. Because there is no one that saves the day. There is no David the giant slinger. There, 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 is no, there is no Elijah raining down fire from heaven. There is no Jesus multiplying the bread and fishes in this chapter. It is dark, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about super dark. And I, I want to make sure that you understand why I'm telling you all of this. Because it is dark in the most placed, unmanageable. Un, 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 un I want you to understand this. God gave a promise to Abraham. He gives a promise to the nation of Israel that they're going to be able to conquer the land, the land, Canaan. They're going to be eating honey and milk and they're going to have grapes. And so all of a sudden, they have conquered the land. They have obtained the land that God has promised for them. They are walking in the promised land. They have divided the land between the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. So they are living in the land. They're living in good state. And I want to, I want to make sure that you understand this part right here. God fulfills every promise he makes. I'm going to say that one again. God fulfills every promise he makes. There is no word that God declares over anyone or anything that does not come to pass. What I just finished saying is like a pushback and challenges the, the, the theology of anybody in this place. Because at times we think that our failures are going to stop God from fulfilling his promise. Wrong! At times we think that our inconsistency is going to stop God from fulfilling his promise. Wrong! He fulfills his promise to the T. Ask David. Ask Moses. Might as well ask Noah. Or how about we ask the disciples that were promised that Jesus would resurrect and they did not believe him. And when Jesus died and he came back on the third day, he said, hey. Y'all thought that y'all running away was actually going to stop me resurrecting in this place? Did you think that your cowardness was going to detain me from defeating the grave? Sorry, I fulfill every promise that I make. Now, Israel is in the promised land because God is faithful. And as they're walking in the land, eating the grapes and the honey and, and, and everything else that God has promised them, they're growing and expanding. But there is something wrong in this story. 
The story says in the beginning when there was no king in Israel. If you had a moment where God was to give you a travel machine and you was to be able to see your future and you knew the steps that you needed to take to change your future, would you do it? Let me, let me see the, the answers here. If, I'm going to say it again, please don't be shy, it's just Pastor Israel with a different haircut. <laughs> if, yeah, if God was to give you a time machine and you were to be able to see your future and now you come back to your past and you know the steps that you need to take to, in order for you to get to that place and do well, would you do it? Yes? Yes? I have a no, but yes? Most everybody would do it. Because I'm going to make sure that I get to that point. I have news for you. The Bible is a time machine. Oh, okay. And the reality of it is that our future, our past, and our present are written in these in these beautiful sheets that we ignore on a consistent basis. And God will tell us how to defeat our enemy and we won't do it. God will speak to us how to have a marriage and we won't do it. God will tell us how to parent and we still won't do it. We, he will tell us how to follow him with all the heart and all of our might and all of our mind and we still don't do it. Do not tell me that with you in a time machine, like back to the future, you're going to change. You're not going to change. You know why? Because it's human nature here, what I'm going to say, to do what I want to do. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this is a, a, what, what we call a stinger message, but I promise to you that it has a beautiful ending at the end. Mike, BG. Okay. So, I want you to understand our human nature, this is our, including myself. Please do not think that you're being pointed out, singled out as if you are the black sheep of the church and, and all of a sudden we are the ones that are holy and we do God's will because I've been part of those congregations too that you feel that you're the only one doing wrong and they always do right. No, 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 no. We, Amen. as a congregation, and human nature, we have this tendency called, I want to do it my way. And so we have literally a vision that gives us all of the nuggets, all of the answers, all of the respected things that are going to be useful in our lives. And we still don't look at it and we still don't care for it and we still ignore it. And we still think it's just a book. It's just, it's just a book. We'll read hundreds of books. We'll, we'll watch hundreds of Netflix shows. We'll, have, we'll watch docu-series and documentaries and, 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 and just a whole bunch of things that do not edify. But we will never take the Bible so seriously to say wow I'm looking at my future and what it could be if I just do this and we still don't do it 
because we have human nature. I want to do it my way. I know that was David. I'm going to do it my way. I know that was Saul, Paul, and Peter, and John, and Matthew, and Mark. I know that was them. I'm going to do it my way. There, I, I, I say it this way. You know when a pastor encourages you to pray and is telling you, hey, you, you need to get more into prayer. How's your praying life? If your praying life is, is dwindling, you need, to, you need to get into prayer. You, you need to get into prayer. You'll have these people that say, I, I don't really have to pray honestly. I just like feel God really strong in my life. It's just he's so, he's there, he's present. I don't really need to like, like pray. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it to you. And I want to tell them, no, please do. You're an angel. You're, con- you're in heaven. That's what it is. I'm sorry. I didn't see the wings. I just saw you and your poorly decisions. But it's, I'm sorry. It's my mistake. We always have an excuse. Why not to do something? <laughs> the excuses on why I want to do it. It's always for the bad things that God is telling us not to do. We have excuses to do it. But when God is telling us to do something, we have excuses why not to do them. And why is this so important? Because I want to let you know something that is going to break the algorithm of you coming to church constantly thinking, this is what's going to finally change me. You ready for it? Blessings, oh, oh, blessings do not change the posture of your heart. I'm sorry that I had to do this to you this Sunday. But uh, the Melendez, they'll get in on the playback. Um, uh, Jomara and Miguel, they'll get in on the playback. Uh, Hillary will get it on the play black. Anybody that's missing will get it on the play black. I want you to understand blessings do not change the posture in your heart. What does this mean, Pastor? This means that what you've been praying for, like uh, 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 your marriage to go well, God can do that miracle, and the posture of your heart could not change either. Uh, What about the car that I've been praying for? God provided that, and he did a miraculous thing. I didn't even have to pay for it. That doesn't change the posture of your heart. What What about if I'm finally exposed, and I'm finally seen and and God fulfills his promises to me that's going to happen regardless that does not change the posture of your heart that is the reason why Israel is in the promised land eating milk and honey and grapes and their hearts are far away hello Testing, testing, one, two, three. We believe that the blessings that God will eventually give to us that we are so earnestly praying for are going to change 
the way we look at things. God, if you only give me this house, I promise to you I'm going to worship you like never before. And now you're in the house and you don't even come to church because you need to clean it. I'm... <laughs> it does not change the posture in your heart. That is the reason why you have people that are filling stadiums. And they are preaching or singing and you're like, I want to be just like them one day. And you have no idea where is the posture of their heart. They could be eating grapes all day, baby. That don't mean nothing. That just means that God fulfills his promises. That's what it means. And you can have all the promises fulfilled in your life and still not be connected to the person that fulfills the promises. Because your posture does not change because of a blessing. They're in the blessing. They're walking in it, y'all. You not understand. They're walking in the blessing. They do not lack anything. It's not like they wake up in the morning and go, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do today. They're not in that situation. They're in a situation where they walk outside and they have the greatest view. They have palm trees. They have rivers. They, they have sea. They have grapes. They have, they, have, uh, they have apples and they have cinnamon toast crunch. And they have, yeah, they have the, all the good stuff. And yet, with all of the blessing in the world, with everything that God had promised them, their heart posture is still incorrect. Because my blessing doesn't determine my posture with God, my posture with God determines how valuable and how cherishable is God to me, not the blessing. But we don't see that because we're constantly praying for blessing and not connection. We're constantly praying for the blesser to bless us, but never to have intimacy with us. And when you are doing this, he is a God that fulfills the promises. So he is going to fulfill the promises to the T. But guess what? If the heart is not postured to him as Lord, the blessing will become a curse because the blessing doesn't change your heart. It changes your circumstances. I know. That's why you have a house and you're still bitter. That's why you have money in the bank and you still can't forgive your sister. That's why you have a brand new everything and your heart is distance because you've been praying for God to bless you in such a way, in such a way that you can see his hands all over your life. And what you don't understand that the blessing is him fulfilling 
what he declared to you one day. That doesn't mean that you have the intimacy that is required. This Levite grabs a concubine and a concubine in so many ways is basically this man grabs this woman and doesn't pay the bride price for her to actually be called a wife. So he grabs this woman, this Levite that's meant to be a worshiper, that's meant to change the atmosphere, that's meant to, 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 to elaborate on God's presence. This Levite grabs this woman as for him and does not pay the bride price. He grabs her as a slave, called her concubine. That's what she is. She's a concubine. She's basically a secondhand wife. She is the type of person that when my I'm not having babies with my wife, then she would be the one that I could probably have children's with. And, and if I'm tired and I just want to have pleasure, then she would be the one that I use. She is a slave to the Levite. A slave to the Levite. And she is unfaithful to the Levite on top of that. Now, historians debate what does unfaithful mean in this story. They don't know if it's sexual in nature. They don't know if unfaithful means she ran away from him. And because he had her as, a, as an, as an uh, object, that actually lowered his standard in front of everyone. So it was like being unfaithful. I've brought you into my home and now you have run away from my home. Either or, or regardless, Four months pass by until he realizes, maybe I just want to go get her. She's been hanging out with her father in her father's house. And he gets to the father's house. And this is where things get juicy from a perspective where God starts speaking to you in a very, very profound way if he's not yet started. The Bible says... That he gets to the father's house and the father treats him with love. Now, hear me, hear me what I'm going to say. He does not pay a full price for his daughter. He treats his daughter as a slave and does not give his daughter value in any way, shape, or form. And so now he comes looking for her and when he walks inside the door, the father of this concubine treats the gentleman with respect and love. Ooh, hear, hear what I'm gonna say. How dare him walk inside that house she's your slave and now you want to go get her after four months if i'm that person i will treat him so nasty the reality of it is that the father gave you something that you needed to pay full price for and you treat it as your slave and when you walk inside of his home and when you walk inside of his house, he treats you with love and respect, even though you have mistreated what he's given to you in your hands. I know, BG, I know, we, we in there now. 
Imagine producing a daughter, giving it to somebody in their hands. You treat her with disrespect and treat her as she is a slave. And all of a sudden, now you want to come back to the father's house. And the father treats you with love and respect, kind of like God does with the gifts he's given you and the gifts you've mistreated. But he still treats you with respect and love and kindness. The Bible says that the father-in-law requests the son-in-law to stay a while. Like, I want to read it to you real quick because it's, it's, it's kind of cool. And, and if, if you understand what I'm about to tell you, this is going to change the dynamics of this message. Uh, so, but... She was unfaithful to him, and, and, and we're in verse 2. She left him and went back to her parents' home in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Remember, we spoke about it. Judah, which is going to be my son's name. After she had left him and went back to the, uh, I'm sorry, after she had been there for four months, her husband went to her to persuade her to return. He had with him his servant and two donkeys. She took him into her parents' home, and when her father saw him, he smacked him. No, I'm sorry, that's me. I'm thinking me, like I'm me. He gladly welcomed him. His father-in-law, the woman's father, prevailed on him to stay, okay? So he remained with him three days eating and drinking and sleeping there. Not only does he treat him with respect, he also persuades the young man, please don't leave. I have food in my pantry. This is gonna be so powerful. I have food in my pantry. I have milk, I have, I have apple juice, I have those Tostitos, taquitos that you like in the microwave. I, I, I have, I have the, the, little, the, the little square pizzas, what, what are they called? Pizza rolls. Pizza rolls. I have all of those things for, 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 my, for my country people. I have steak. I got filet mignon. I got loaded mashed potatoes. Hang out with me for a little bit. Hey, just, just for a little bit. I have, I have everything you need. Just, just stay for a while. The Bible says he stays for three days and he gets up determined, I'm going to leave today. Listen to this. I'm going to leave today. Finally. The father once again persuades him and says, hey, have breakfast with me. Hey. Breakfast is done. Have lunch with me. Have dinner with me. Hey, hey, it's already late. Let's just hang out. Let's just stay here. So he stays another night. And I think it's five nights that he stays there. On the fifth, he goes, that's it. I got to go. I'm going. And the father tries to persuade him again. Hey, please, just stay with me for a little bit. Just, just a little bit, a little bit more. Just stay with me. And, and I, I, I just feel like I need... BG, do you have the verses by any chance? Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Because I, I want you guys to read it with me. 
where on the fourth day, verse 5, they got up early and he prepared to leave. But the woman's father said to the son-in-law, refresh yourself with something to eat. Then you can go. And, and, and so the two of them sat down and they ate and they drank together. Afterwards, the woman's father said, please stay tonight and enjoy yourself. Listen to the verbiage. Enjoy yourself. Please stay the night and enjoy yourself and when the man got up to go his father-in-law persuaded him to stay the night and on the morning of the fifth day he rose and the woman's father said refresh yourself wait till the afternoon so the two of them ate together and then he said uh, then he said to the man with the concubine and his servants he they got up to leave the father in law of the of the woman's father said now look it's almost evening spend the night here the day is nearly over stay and enjoy yourself early tomorrow morning you can get up and be on the way home but unwilling but unwilling the man said i'm not staying here another night Why is this so important? Because he's trying to go to continue his day to day. He's trying to move forward with his process. He's trying to move forward with all of the things he has to do. He's thinking, I got to do laundry. I got to talk to this crazy girl that she left me for four months and didn't even appear. I got to go. I got to do this and I got to do that. And I got to change the licenses and I got to change her last name. And maybe I could pay the bride price, but I didn't come with the price even to your home. That's how much she means to me. Right. And so now I have to just do so many things and while he's still mistreating her because he, here's the key he's come to the father-in-law's house without the price and he is wanting to go and the father-in-law is treating him with respect and love and he's still wanting to go without paying the price How many times have we been ready to go or leave a situation that we're not ready to leave yet? How many times are we trying to rush out into something else and God is speaking to us as if he's our father and he's letting us know, hey, stay a while. Hey, eat with me. Hey, just, just spend some time with me. Hey, uh, uh, enjoy yourself. And I started to understand that there is a difference between not being ready to move on to your next season and God wanting to have you enjoy yourself. And many of us, we don't understand the enjoy yourself. We can't hear God from heaven saying, 
enjoy yourself. All we want is to get to the next. I got to go. I, I, I have to go. I can't stay here any longer. Just stay a while. It's getting dark. It's getting night. I just want to stay with you. Enjoy yourself. We're wanting to get to the, to the next step right off the bat. And he's saying, just enjoy today with me. Just spend some time with me today. Just today. I know tomorrow you got that, you got that appointment. I know that tomorrow you got five meetings. I know that tomorrow you got to do this. Just stay with me and enjoy yourself. I got everything you need. Got everything. But we get in our mindset, I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to leave the situation I'm in. I got to go to the next. It's just time. It's time. Just stay with me and enjoy yourself. And the Bible says he was unwilling to do it. This is where everything takes a turn. This is where it gets gritty. This is where it gets dark. This is where everybody starts losing their minds. This is where everyone starts just forgetting about who is their God. They, they, he wanted to just leave so badly when his time wasn't up yet, when, when his time wasn't ready. And God was trying to speak to me through this verse and through this chapter saying, hey, Stay a while. Enjoy yourself in today. I have tomorrow handled. I got the next week handled. Stay with me today. Enjoy yourself today. Enjoy yourself in my presence. Enjoy yourself with what I've given you. Enjoy yourself. Stop thinking about tomorrow. I got it. I got it. I promise I got it. Just stay with me. Unwilling, the Bible says like our hearts unwilling to do what God asked us to do unwilling to actually be led by the Holy Spirit we say that we love the Holy Spirit we want the Holy Spirit to move and we just sound sexy but in reality we do not adhere to the Holy Spirit because we're unwilling and we want to do it my way yeah. My way. So now they travel from the place of comfort and abundance to a place where nobody wants them in their home. That quick, you could go from a place of abundance and love to a place where no one wants you. That quick. That fast. Because the Bible says they left and they went walking and and as they're walking, they're going to a town that is closer to who they are. And the servant tells the Levi, let's just hang out here for the night. He goes, nah, I want to be with my people, with my group. I, that, that's who I want to be. I want to be surrounded with my people, with the people that know me, that know my last name, that carry my bloodline. I want to be with those people. Okay. And two times you see the grace of God 
trying to grab this Levite's attention and he does not pay attention. So he goes to the place that he wants to because it's the way I want to do it. And the Bible says they stay the night. Nobody wanted them inside their home. And an older man comes, says, hey, hang out with me. And the Bible says that out of nowhere, there came a mob of men crashing down on the house. And they said, hey, old man, give us that man so we can have him. And they were talking about having him sexually. And everyone here is like, I see Rebecca's face. <laughs> Don't worry, that was my face when I read the chapter. <laughs> we all look at these people in, with a side eye. You wanna, what? What? But the reality of it is, think about what they're desiring. It is a desire that they have to do what they want to do. It's just called homosexuality. Stealing is stealing. Uh-oh. Being unfaithful is unfaithful. They're wanting to do what they're wanting to. They're wanting to cross the line. And many of us look at it and go, that's, that's crazy. Why would they do that? Why would you lie? They're wanting to do what they're wanting to do to this man because it is a uncontrollable desire inside of their hearts. And so they're saying, I want to do this. And no one can put a mind to them to say, hey, change your thoughts. The old man goes out there and says, hey, you can have my virgin daughter and you can have his concubine. You can have them, but do not do no more, do no more damage to this man. And every parent here is thinking, why in the world would this old man offer his daughter? Why? I'll tell you why. Because women were of lesser value. And so... If a man was to get raped, it would be that much costly than a woman to do so. And so the old man wanted to prevent it and he wanted to give up his daughter. Look how deprived the world in this chapter is. It goes all based on the first line of chapter 19. When there was no king in Israel. They offer innocence. They are offering innocence to the crazy mob out there. And the crazy mob, can't, they don't even want to hear it. So they just say, you know what? We're just going to grab his concubine. And we're going to do damage by doing damage to his concubine because it's still going to lower his standards. And the Bible says that all through the night, they hurt her. And when he wakes up in the morning, she made it all the way to the footsteps of the door. And he got up, he saw her, and he told her, 
what I tell my wife every single morning. Get up. <laughs> oh, what y'all thought I was going to say? Hello, beautiful. No, I'm playing. Baby. I'm playing. I'm playing. It was a joke because it, it's a dark story. I wanted y'all. He says, get up. We got to go. Get up. And the Bible says there was no response. So he does the next thing, which is to put her on the donkey. And all of a sudden, he takes her to the home and he cuts her piece and limb by limb and sends it out to the 12 tribes so it can identify something wrong has happened here. You know what's wrong in this chapter? Is that God has given them the land and they still have given him bits and pieces of themselves. That's the, that's the story. He fulfills the promises of those that he loves, and yet those that he loves only give him bits and pieces of themselves. He answered my prayer today. That's good. He did a miracle in my life. That's great. He, he, he transformed somebody that I love. That's awesome. He took somebody out of the darkness. That's great. But that's who he is. He's faithful. But for some reason, you're still giving him bits and pieces. Now, I know a God that he doesn't tell you the full story at first. He'll tell you bits and pieces. Now, he, hear me when I'm going to say this. You can give God bits and pieces and be able to think that you're going to be filled up whole. But if he gives you a bit, you're not understanding. If he gives you a piece, you'll be whole in everything that you need. But you can't give him a bit and piece. The Bible says Jesus grabbed everything the little boy had in his lunchbox. Everything, not bits and pieces. He gave him everything, five loaves and two fishes. That's all I have. Thank you for giving me all that you have. Now watch me work with bits and pieces. I can't do what God does, so I can't give him a bit or a piece. But if he was to give me a bit or a piece, my life would change. This is why the Seraphonician woman says, hey, I'll give you everything. He goes, hey, I can't give you the bread that belongs to the children. And give it to you, dog. I can't. She goes, I'll be your dog. 
This is her giving everything. You're not understanding what I'm saying. This is, this is very, very, very powerful. I'll give you everything. If it's my title of a woman, of, of a standard, I'll give it to you. I'll be called dog. I'll give you everything. Because if you give me a bit or a piece, I'll be satisfied. pieces bits and pieces the Levite cuts her up in bits and pieces and he sends it off to the 12 tribe of Israel and he thinks hey something gotta be done here cause something was done to me let me tell you something all it did while giving bits and pieces was expose who the Levite really was A person that was not willing to pay the price. When you give God bits and pieces, it exposes you to who you really are. Yeah. Don't come for me. I didn't want to read this Bible either. And I'm telling you right now, when I was getting ready this week, I read this chapter and I was getting ready to preach on the bones of Elijah. And I said, man, we gonna see an army where there's dead bones everywhere. And we're gonna see God blow from the east and from the west. And God said, hey, um, come over here real quick. Read this chapter for me. I said, God, there's everything is dead here. Everything is, is ugly in this passage. He goes, I know, but where is it happening? I go, in the promised land, exactly. I promise, and they still didn't posture their hearts. They gave me bits and pieces. trying to challenge y'all to understand that your life is not yours I don't know who gave you the idea that you actually can control your life but it's not yours so why give bits and pieces to him God told me this week, you're not ready yet. I said, what? Don't tell me that. I've been working my behind off. Instruction, I've been praying. Don't tell me that. Read it again. Stay a while. Enjoy yourself. If he would have stayed with his father-in-law, this don't happen. Don't leave. I gotta go. Unwilling. Okay. I gotta go to my place where I feel comfortable.
is how we live our life to a God that just wants to give you everything you need. The Bible says that the pieces went to Israel and Israel came and they said, who did this? We're going to kill him. And they inquired of the Lord and they went to battle. They inquired of the Lord. Hear me what I'm going to say because I'm not done teaching yet. They inquired of the Lord and God told them, this is the tribe that needs to go first. And they went to battle after inquiring the Lord against the Benjamites. And the Benjamites killed on that day 20-something thousand people. Children and women together. But which they inquired of the Lord. They, they prayed. They asked God before they went to war. They, it's not like they didn't inquire. They inquired of the Lord. And the Bible says that they inquire a second time. God, we inquired the first time. You told us. Yeah, go ahead. All right, let's do it. And on that day, the Benjamites killed 18,000 people. Either God doesn't hear our prayer or what's going on in this chapter. It's funny how they inquire to kill their brother, yet they don't inquire to make God their Lord. They rather kill a brother to get revenge on someone, yet they don't inquire God in saying, how have we failed you? In what area have I not done it right we're always praying against our enemies God destroy her tires I don't like her God don't allow them to get the job they don't need it and we're praying and praying for something else to happen or for God to give us the victory but we never pray and inquire God God do I truly have you as my Lord in my heart, is my heart postured to you? Rape, unfaithfulness, unwillingness, cowardness, even death of a great multitude happened in this chapter, all because there was no king in Israel. but you still want to do your way. I'm giving you a, 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 a presentation of what your future can look like. Judges chapter 19. And you still will look at this and go, I mean, it just happened to the Levite. It ain't really going to happen to me. It doesn't. It doesn't. 
Sin rapes you all night. It doesn't happen to you. Your spiritual life is dead. It doesn't happen to you. She got cut up in bits and pieces. Have you ever been in relationships where they broke you down and took piece by piece? It doesn't happen to you though. Judges 19 doesn't happen to me though. The reality of it is, it happens to us more than what we think because we are not willing to give God everything. They finally won against the Benjamites. But is that truly the victory that God wanted them to have? Or was the victory having a king in their hearts? It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. Just because you have the blessing, that doesn't mean that the testing is not going to still happen. I got the job. You tithing? Oh, oh, pastor, don't talk about that. Not here. Please. Don't worry. I'm going to leave you all alone. I got the house. You're inviting people over to pray for them? My ministry is growing. Wow, that's great. Have you really impacted anyone? Or are you selfishly thinking about yourself? The blessing only enhances what you're going to do next. And to see if your heart is postured in the right place. You know why I'm preaching this? Because God will give us a building. That's an amen right there. I'm going to say that one again. God will give us a building. And our hearts will be tested. And God would fill this place and the other building and the other things that he wants to give us. And our hearts will be tested. What you thought? That the blessing meant that you had already finished everything. Take me now, God. It means, like Peter Parker's dad, with greater power comes greater responsibility. He got that from Peter Parker the second, verse three. It's true. The more God gives to you, the more you have to trust him. So he'll test your heart. And I'll finish with this. Cut them up in pieces. Send them to the 12 tribes. Bits and pieces, bits and pieces. The Bible says that in Acts chapter 27, Saul now called Paul, was on his way, and he was a prisoner, and they wanted to take a cruise. And he said, hey, we don't got no time for no cruise. I'm telling you, don't get on that ship. 
They said, no, we're going to get on that ship. They got shrimp. They got burgers. They got hot dogs. They got everything. He said, hey, don't get on that ship. I'm telling you, don't get on the ship. We're going to get on the ship. And they took Paul on the ship. And all of a sudden, a storm broke out. And with that storm broke out, the boat broke down. And now they're screaming for their lives. And the man that they didn't want to listen to, the man that was trying to protect them this whole entire time is now having to encourage them while they're broken down at sea. And he's telling them, hey, no one panic. I told y'all that this was going to happen. It's in the Bible. He does an I told you so. I ain't never seen it like that. He literally said, I told y'all. <laughs> but no one is perishing here tonight. Y'all not, not, not hearing what I'm trying to tell you. It, we serve a God that we can't give him a bit or a piece. But if he gives us a bit. Or if we are on a piece and it's from him, we are going to be all right. The Bible says that while they were shipwrecked, the captain of the boat said, some of y'all throw yourself swim, get on some pieces. And Paul said, no one is going to perish here tonight. Acts chapter 27 verse 44, the rest were to get on their planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. On a piece of a ship. But you know why I'm making it to land? It's because God spoke that I would not perish even on the piece that I'm standing on so what's the message don't give him a bit or a piece but if he gives you a bit on the piece I promise to you you're gonna make it that's the message don't give him bits and pieces of your life give him everything but if he gives you a piece you're gonna make it you're gonna make it Everyone stand on their feet. Remember, he wants all of you, the full entire thing, nothing wasted, nothing held back. He does not want you to hold anything back. He does not want you to just hide in any place. He does not want you to give him just a smidget of yourself. He wants you the whole entire thing. He wants the whole entire pie. The, the crazy you, the, 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 the nice you, the smiley you, the depressed you, the anxiety you. He wants every single bit and piece. But I tell you this that the God that I serve can work with bits and pieces.
Lift up your hands right there. Rachel, I'm going to tell you something. The season of giving him bits and pieces is done. He wants to do something so special in your life that you're not going to be able to be attributed it to Brina or Cam or Tammy or Pastor Rich. You're going to attribute it to God himself. But you can no longer depend on anybody else's relationship with him, teaching about him. You have to find out for yourself. And God has brought you to this place to tell you today, I don't want no more bits or pieces. I want it all. I want a woman that's going to willing to give me everything of her so she can see everything of me. Miss Ada, put your hands over her, please. Let's pray for her right now. God is going to do a new work in her life. Heavenly Father, today we, we thank you today and we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Today, she, she, Rachel, is going to give you not bits, no more pieces. It's going to be all of her. She's going to be filled from the top to the bottom of her feet and she's going to be a weapon that you're going to use in your kingdom. From now on, she will be a leader that will lead not through the others and through hearing and through, it will be be through her own personal experiences and God you will you will give her everything that she will need and she will walk in your promises but her heart will be postured to you in your name in your name in your name in your name we pray amen no more bits and no more pieces no more bits no more pieces no more bits, no more pieces. You have to start declaring that within yourself. I'm not giving him no more bits or pieces. I'm giving him everything because I need to see everything he has for my life. Watch him work when you give him everything. Watch him turn it around when you give him everything. Watch him, watch him. He's testing you. He's testing you. He's testing your heart. He's testing your heart. He's testing your heart in every area. In every area, he's testing you. He's testing you. Are you willing just to give him a bit or a piece? Or are you willing to give it to him? Everything. Let this be the cry out for his presence. Let this be the voice of God in your life saying to you, maybe, just maybe, I've lifted my hands. Maybe, just maybe, I've worshipped. Maybe, just maybe, I've come to church faithfully, but I'm still giving him bits and I'm giving him pieces. I don't want to give him no more bits. I don't want to give him no more pieces. I want to give everything to him.
in every area of my life. This is the cry out for people that want to give God everything. And watch him do the impossible. No more bits and pieces. No more bits and pieces. No more bits and pieces. I'll give it to you. If that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. If that's what you're asking for, that's what you're going to get. No more bits and pieces. No more bits and pieces. Where there is no king in your heart, there is destruction that follows. That's the message. That's, that's the word. It, it's that you need a king to guide you, to let you know, hey, you need to get rid of that. Hey, you need to walk in here. Hey, you need to move to this place. Hey, you need to speak up. Hey, you need to quiet down. You need a king to guide you. And if there is no king, destruction follows. Will you allow God to lead you all the way? Heavenly Father, we have heard your powerful word tonight. It is your word that gives life truly. It is not just a moment where we get to just speak about you. We get to literally live in your presence where everything changes. We get to soak your living word into our blood pumping hearts. And today I declare a church that's willing to give everything for you. Not no more bits and pieces, but everything I have will be yours as you command. I will follow. We ask this in your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Someone give God a hand praise. Come on, come on, come on, come on. If you would like to learn more about who we are and what we believe at Freedom Church, then make sure you visit our website at freedomchurchfamily.com. You will find it easy to invest in this ministry as well as be a part of our upcoming events. Thank you so much for listening and remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this one. We pray you accept this gift of freedom and share it with someone you know.